what? Just tell me about a live festival. All right. So Whatever. A live festival. It was at Clay's Park in Ohio. I, you know, I still don't want to hear about the Christian Music Festival, but here we are. Yeah. We've been trying to record an intro for like 20 minutes now, so yep. just, just hit me with it. And it was terrible. Um, at the time, I thought it was fun. It was really hot. There was mud everywhere. It was disgusting. Hot, you mean temperature-wise? Yes. Not like, yes. okay. Yes, not like sexual, yay. Um, there was sexual nay there, actually. See, I feel like the most sexual tension would be at a Christian music festival. Yeah, because it's everybody's like sober. Oh, like, gross. it's not like your traditional music festival where people are, like, drunk and high, and then you're like, yeah, let me vibe with this music. I'm on something that makes me hallucinate. This is great. No, sober. Oh, man. So people are acting chaotic and ridiculous, and they're sober. It's wild. They're wild. They're high on the Lord. Yeah, they're high on God. Um, It wasn't like a worship festival, though. Like, that would have been terrible. A worship festival? You know, because, like, they have those big worship concerts. Okay, I guess you don't know. I don't know. Um, So there's worship. sounds weird. It's fucking weird. And even as a Christian, like, when I was a Christian, I thought that it was weird. Like, they would have these, like, bands. They were worship bands, and they would sell out arenas, and you would just go there and worship the Lord. And it was weird. But that's not what the Alive Festival was. It was just contemporary Christian music. And then they had a bunch of, like, vendors, obviously, because, like, all music festivals have vendors. And they, they sell, like, crucifixes. No, and- they had shirts that said Virginity Rocks. And I, even then, when I was, like, 15, I was like, I'm not wearing that. Like, even like even if you're a Christian, like, a very devout Christian teenager, you got to know that virginity doesn't rock. You're in high school. You know that people who are virgins are not the coolest people. It's just factually incorrect. Well, when you go to Christian school, though, it's fine. It's like, if you are doing st- other stuff, like, if... Like, I remember this one girl, she got fingered. She was slanging it. She got fingered by her friend Mike, who didn't go to our school. That was a big deal. They called her... Um, so we actually called her, um, oh, oh, what did we call her? The, I think, should we called her the incident? The incident? (laughs) Like it's tuberculosis in the 1800s? You call it the consumption? She's just the incident? Yeah. It was that big of a thing? No, it was something else that she it was had. something else her, it wasn't mike fingering her that was the incident no the incident would happen every day because this was like a time of low-rise jeans okay and her butt crack would always be have hanging out of her pants the incident sounds like a fine upstanding young woman <laughs> she's i'm sure she's great she also wasn't like she also would say really funny stuff all the time but there's that she also told me I look like a cat. Now, what do you expect from the incident? Yeah, she a- also... like a WWE wrestler. Uh, and now entering the ring, the, the incident. incident. Um, we went on a choir trip to Puerto Rico, and she asked if we were driving there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got one of them James Bond Aston Martins that goes through the ocean. Yep. Fuck you, the incident. Shut up and get in the back of the bus. God, the incident. And then we went on another choir trip to Philadelphia or Delphia or however you say it. And um, was a murder capital at the time. Nice. And uh, she asked my choir teacher, she's like, um, are we going to get murdered when we go there? Statistically, it's higher. And yeah. my teacher goes, I don't know. I can't tell the future. So thanks, Mrs. McMullen. Thank you. Shout out to Mrs. McMullen and the incident, (laughs) the characters of today's podcast, including us. So welcome back to another season, season three Three, of White Collars, Red Hands. Uh, I am Kashan Batchelor, joined uh, by the ever positive, the incident loving. Nina Kern. Uh, We started off today talking about music festivals yes we did and then we got to the incident and we're today we are going to talk about a mu- a, a musical a, a mu- musical <laughs> not a musical it's a musical hey we are going to talk about a music fist a music festival we are going to talk about a music <laughs> festival that what turned into an incident <laughs> it was a big incident. That's a good segue. Yes, it was. So picture this. I want Kashan. Kashan, close your eyes. I want All you right. to picture this. 
Okay. Coronavirus doesn't exist. Oh, sweet. It's summer. It's hot. Summer. You're, you're sweaty. Already, you're already sticky. There. Mm-hmm. You're probably the under the influence of a substance. Mm-hmm. Music is flooding over the dirty grounds of wherever you are. Porta potties and food trucks line the sides of the field. It smells everywhere. It stinks. Yeah. You're at peace. You are at a music festival. Since Woodstock, you can open your eyes. Since oh, Woodstock, <laughs> since Woodstock, the music festival industry has boomed there is a music festival for every single genre of music no lie if you're into it just like porn if you're into it there's a music festival for it the polka festival is coming through next week yeah no it's for real um according to billboard online 32 million people go to at least one fest every single year which is a lot of people. That was a lot higher than I had expected. Mm-hmm. And that's just one. There's more pe- people go to more than one. Um, yeah. So many people see music festivals, see these times as a rite of passage, mainly because there's a lot of sex. There's a lot of drugs, camping. It's a great time. It's a great time. An entrepreneur. Billy McFarland understood what a lucrative business music festivals are, and he wanted to create the greatest to ever exist, a music festival that was legendary. But sometimes our dreams don't pan out the way we envision them. This is that story. All right, so if you don't know, we're going to be talking about the Fire Festival. I'm excited. Oh, yeah. I, I'm excited. Uh, this this became a really big deal in uh, 2019 because two documentaries came out about it, uh, mm-hmm. one, which you can still watch them both. There's one on Netflix. There's one on Hulu. Yeah, I remember my friends had this big debate about which one's better, the I Netflix or the thought, Hulu. I personally thought the Netflix one was better. I think I watched the Hulu. <laughs> Um, the one that makes the Hulu one a little bit more interesting or where you could debate that it's better is there is an actual interview with Billy McFarland where I definitely watch the Hulu one. Then. The Netflix one does not have an interview with Billy McFarland, but also no relate, no relation to Seth that we know of. Yeah. All right. But so we are going to focus on the fire festival today, but or slash fire media we will be talking about both of those they go hand in hand um but fire wasn't billy's first venture uh billy had billy's first i guess you could call it entrepreneur gig first start up his first big one his first big one um his first project company startup venture whatever you want to call was a company named magnesis and what magnesis was it was the millennials credit card all right but it wasn't it wasn't a real charge card like discover or american express this was actually linked to the customer's existing bank of america or wells fargo card and it could be used as a substitute so it's almost like if you have a Venmo card where you can uh-huh. load money, it can also be linked to your account. Yeah, but the only thing is that, like, a Venmo, they provide another service. They provide, like, a banking service as well or, like, a money transfer service. Mm-hmm. And Magnesis literally just seems like it's like, hey, you want another card for no reason? So there was a reason, Kashan. This was the Millennials credit card. Okay. Okay? And it was made out of metal, so it looked cool. And when you put it down, it made a sound. And chicks were like, whoa, what does he do? That's what a guy said oh on the documentary. Oh, my God. Is that an American Express Platinum? Well, no, so, it's a Magnesis card? What so the fuck it was, is this? Um, so it was based off of American Express's black card. Oh my god. If that makes so that's what they like took inspiration from. And so it was a credit card membership which had dues that were $250 a year and there was no spending requirements. It was a sleek metal card and it looked like you had a lot of money. $250 a year just to look like you have money. Well, it, and it was also a membership club so you could meet up with members. They would have events. You would get discounts on um, partner stores, restaurants, etc. So it, it really became more of like a community, if that makes sense. Now, this was based out of New York City, and they had a um, they had a clubhouse in the West Village where you could also hang out and you could go to, to there and they would hold events. So it was really you were paying to be a part of a community. 
okay as well i mean i guess like if they're going to throw an event every year where like i don't know there's something included like like it's a buffet or something like i guess if you did enough of that, I could see the value coming out of spending $250 a year just to look like you have a, a black Amex card and you can't afford that, really. Yeah, it's I, I think it's weird, but a lot of people do a lot of crazy things to have a sense of community. Especially so. New York. Oh, yeah, because you're always trying to just like keep up with the Joneses or whatever. Yeah. yeah, all that shit. But um, everybody was quoted and said that Billy could sell you anything. Like, Billy knew what he was doing. And um, this is when Billy ends up partnering partnering with the infamous Ja Rule. All right. So, Billy and Ja Rule meet He was at perform- when he was performing at membership parties. And the membership club ended up getting over 10,000 members. And they were taking in close to $2 million per year in membership fees. Members were also able to get discount tickets to huge concerts. But what was super weird about this is that they kept having their tickets either moved around or canceled, stuff like that. Not really sure why. We'll get to that later. Hmm. Members were not getting the benefits that they were promised. And Billy was like, you know what? Magnesis is cool, but I want to do something else, too. And so then we get to the birth of fire media and we will be talking about fire media for the rest of this episode yeah, say fire media one more time fire media great did i do it the same way <laughs> yeah close Hell also yeah. can you name me a jaw rule song because i don't know I, i've heard the name but i don't know anything he does do you think i could name you a jaw rule song yeah no you look like a jaw rule kind of girl is that because i you know what i don't know if i should say that You're saying that because I date black guys. I'm saying that maybe the the proclivity for you having have heard one Ja Rule song at least once in your life might have gone up. You might have been face deep in a pillow when it was happening, but I don't know. First of all, (laughs) that's rude. Okay, so let's see. Let's see. I'm a virgin, Kashan. <laughs> That's the funniest joke you've ever said on here. <laughs> um, mesmerized, always on time. Nope. Put it on me. Uh, I don't know any of these songs. Okay, eh. I don't know. All right, but anyway, John Billy they made an app where they could help people book big names and talent. It's hard. Like, if you want Jennifer Lopez to play at your birthday party, you've got those kind of coins. It's not easy to get her. That's true. I don't know how you go about finding her agent and booking Jennifer Probably Lopez. Probably on Google somewhere, right? It's, it's not easy. And so they wanted to make celebrities more accessible. So they came up with the app called Fire Media. And in order to promote the app... And get people to join, they decided to throw a music festival to promote their new business venture. This was an idea that was birthed at a meeting by one of his employees. And his employee was recounting this in the documentary. And he said when he came up with that idea, Billy really latched onto that and took off with it. Honestly, it is a good idea. Like you're starting well, you're is. starting an app about booking talent, so now all you gotta do is book some talent and put right. on a show right. to promote it. It does make sense. Yeah, absolutely. As long as you do it right. Well, and let's be real, the promotion of this, so good. This might be one of the best promotions in the history of promotions. The, the, the marketing for Fire Festival is like they obviously showed that this was great it was impeccable you can get people to do anything as long as you have a good enough marketing campaign absolutely the promotion was huge it was so the original island that the festival was supposed to take place on was pablo escobar's private island it had previously been pablo escobar's private island Mm -hmm. um it was advertised as the coolest party ever and that's what it looked like yeah it is it is what it looked like and um so you know they were promoting this it was promoted a lot on social media they also promoted it at the web summit and a bunch of other places are you looking up what the web summit is because i forgot to do the web summit is an annual technology conference held in lisbon portugal considered the largest tech event in the world 
Hell yeah. That's a big deal. So Billy ended up buying Pablo Escobar's island for this festival, right? And it's called Norman's Key in the Bahamas. I've never been to the Bahamas. Neither have I. I would love to go. And according to Billy, he bought the island for $10 million. That's what Billy said. One of his business partners said they had to put a million down and then pay the rest over a certain amount of time. And he's unsure whether or not that money was actually paid. So $10 million for an island, I'm just going to say, that doesn't actually seem like that much. It doesn't seem like a lot. It should be more. I feel like there are houses in America that cost more than $10 million. No, there are. There are. So a whole island, which probably already has a house on it. Right now, this this island did not have a lot on it, and it was pretty small. Um, yeah, but it was Pablo Escobar's. There's probably like some cocaine buried somewhere. Oh right? my god, the amount of cocaine buried on that island would pay for the island. Exactly. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Nana, do you want to buy an island? Because I think I have a really good island idea. Um, I think that your island idea will make me have to go to prison forever and I'll have to become a lesbian. So I don't really want to do that. Thank you very much. All right. I tried. I'd rather not. Um, Fire Media actually booked Fuck Jerry. If you know what Fuck Jerry. Okay. So on Instagram, there's this meme account called Fuck Jerry and they're very popular and they have lots of funny memes and they actually hired them to run the social media, which was a really good move because Fuck Jerry has so many followers. They hired them to do the social media and they they filmed this insane promo shoot with the top 10 with the top 10 supermodels in the world. Like we're talking Bella Hadid, Emily Rajakowski, Haley at the time, Baldwin, now Bieber. Yes, all these people who I know. It was more of a this whole promo shoot was more of a party than a promo shoot. And they spared no expense to make this happen. And Ja Rule has a very uh, infamous toast that was made at this shoot because they just they were filming at 24 seven giant party just filming everything and he says here's to living like movie stars partying like rock stars and fucking like porn stars so here's the next part that was a little fishy to me um there were some inconsistent numbers that were thrown out about how many influencers um contributed to this campaign Uh, Mm -hmm. On Instagram, I heard 400 and I also heard 250. Uh, 250 was a little bit more consistent. So I'm going to go with the 250. But Fire Media had about 250 of the biggest influencers and celebrities post an orange tile on Instagram to promote Fire Festival. And all they did, it was actually very similar to the black tile that ended up. uh, You don't have Instagram, but I think it was. Was it also on Facebook? This summer to support Black Lives Matter. It was just a black tile that people posted. Yes. Um, it was very similar to that, but it was orange and the cause was bullshit versus the black tile is important. Anyway. Yeah. See, on Facebook, instead of doing that, most people just posted um, opinions. There you go. <laughs> so. why I hate Facebook. <laughs> but anyway, they were trying to. Um, so they, you know, this blew up. Yeah, because it was so simple, right? Because everyone was asking, like, what the hell is this? Because there wasn't any context, right? No, all they did was post the orange child and just said, hashtag fire festival. I think they added, they added, like, so at fire festival, and then did hashtag fire festival, and it just blew up. Because you're seeing all of these. It's such a good marketing scheme. Oh, it's so smart. And, like, you know, you're seeing all these models and celebrities and all these people. You're like, what is this? And so it just blew up. And then they found out that it's supposed to be this luxury music festival. And people were trying to get their investments out of Coachella and into Fire, Damn. which dumbass. You'll find out later. And so Fire was painted to be this glamorous. I'm going to use the word yeah, glamping, that word. <laughs> glamorous glamping weekend, which I'm redundant because glamping is glamorous camping. They had cool tents, private homes, yachts, private chefs. Like this was supposed to be a once in a lifetime experience. It was super cool. And within 48 hours, Fire Festival sold 95% of its tickets. Oh my God. This is a huge accomplishment for a first-time music festival. Like, that's unheard of. Unheard of. The only problem? The island? It was tiny. And they sold too many tickets and couldn't fit that many people on the island. The other problem was 
the island had nothing on it. They needed to build infrastructure as well as figure out how to get waste off the island because there was no sewage system in place. <laughs> so they build like roads. They're like, oh yeah, let's get this island where we got to build roads. It on was to have literally a just like an island of sand. You know, in like pirate movies where they hide their buried treasure on a tiny little island. That's what this was. Yeah, this was the this was their first mistake is the location and probably the biggest because if you just have it in New York City like at a venue, right. Yeah, that's all or, they needed. Or even out in the woods somewhere in America. Right. Easy. I think that I think they wanted to really sell the fact that this was Pablo Escobar's island. And I am going to talk about that a little bit later. Like, you know, this people glamorize these criminals who have the flashy cars sure, and they the do have a lot of money. Drugs and the money. And so it was like you can also have these things. And that's what they were. That's really what they were selling. But, you know, he wanted that that name, that Pablo Escobar's Island so bad that it was like they didn't really think of the logistics, in mm-hmm. my opinion. And there were people on the team who were saying that what they were planning was not possible, but it was just falling on deaf ears. They, they didn't care. And people actually got started getting fired because they were raising concerns. So Billy hired people to put a, together a budget for the festival, and they calculated that the festival would cost about $38 million. Mm. Talent alone was $3.5 to $4 million. And Billy didn't know what it meant to book talent that was that big. Like, sorry, you were just booking Ja Rule. Sorry. All right. So for the festival, they booked Major Laser, Blink-182, and Tyga, just to name a few of these people. They lollygagged on this music festival, and the core team only had six to eight weeks to put the music festival together. So, like, did they lollygag, or was it literally like they came with the idea, came with the marketing scheme, and just started doing it immediately? So they only had six to eight weeks. Like they, you know what? Actually, that was a little unclear to me, and I think what you just said is more accurate. Yeah, because I don't think they set a very um, realistic date, right? Because that was the whole thing. And I think the biggest downfall of Billy McFarland in this is that he doesn't understand practicality. He's a he's a con man who's really good at selling people ideas, Mm -hmm. but not really good at putting them into practice. So this was a very good idea. Great marketing. He really knows how to manipulate people basically into wanting a service that he's providing, but he has no idea how to actually do it. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with that. And he obviously, I think he's probably a little bit too narcissistic to heed people who know what they're doing or to seek out people who know what they're doing to help him either. Right. So. Exactly. And like what I was talking about earlier, he was, what he was telling people is, you know, he was quoted saying, we're taking the American dream and saying for three days, you can become Pablo Escobar, which I didn't know that was the American dream. That's a weird flex, Billy. Murdering people. Yeah, selling so many drugs. I don't think that's the American dream. That's not my American dream. I just don't want debt and want to maybe have a condo one day and, I don't know, buy some expensive cheese. That's my American dream. Buy some expensive (laughs) cheese. Go to Hawaii for a week. The American dream is alive and attainable. (laughs) (laughs) So So when they got the island... They were actually, and they were in the process of, you know, obtaining it. They were actually told not to say that it was Pablo Escobar's island. And they, that came out in the first couple tweets. Oh my God. They were idiots. So they ended up getting kicked off the island because the current owner got pissed. And he told them not, because he told them not to tell and said that they could no longer have the island. I hope you got that million dollar down payment back. Well, we don't even know. And so that was. That started the snowball of everything bad happening. Like, this was the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, because they already had a bad location, but no location is worse than a bad location. Yeah, exactly. So they, and they're six to eight weeks out from the festival and they have no location. And this massive scale festival, like, I'm stressed out talking about it. Oh, yeah. It's, it's so stressful. I couldn't, I don't know. It's, it's great. It's crazy. But they ended up at Great Exumas, which is an island in the Bahamas. Looks lovely. Does look hot, but it looks lovely. Um, and they told the people who lived in Great Exuma that this was going to happen every single year for the next five years and that it would create hundreds of jobs. I mean, if it worked, they're not wrong, but. Right. So, and this is like, 
really important to create Exuma because people who live in these Car- Caribbean islands, they, they're they not, they are poor. Yeah, it is an impoverished area yes. nation in general. Absolutely. So when you are having people from America come and say like, hey, we're going to bring this moneymaker to your island and like, you're going to probably make more money in that time that that festival is there than in the entire year, realistically. Now, they weren't quoted saying that, but realistically, that would be what would happen. Um, you know, that's a big deal to those people. And it unfortunately doesn't end up happening. And I really feel for everyone who lives on the island of Great Exuma because they really fucked them over. And we'll get more into that later. But... This was the whole thing. And, you know, you were talking about how Billy just doesn't really follow through very well on anything that he does. Like he has these great ideas, but doesn't know the logistics. They ended up booking the festival during one of the busiest times on Great Exuma. So Great Exuma hosts the National Regatta, which is a boat thing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if you remember correctly, that's what Martha Stewart couldn't get. Not the national one, but Martha Stewart couldn't get into the Canadian Regatta. That's right. Because she was a felon. We talked about yes. that episode two, Martha Stewart. So Yeah, that's right. Um, so the island... During this time of the National Regatta, the island will double in size, and hotels are booked like a year in advance. In population size, I might point out, it doesn't become twice as large land-wise. Correct. Sorry. Yes, population. (laughs) They're going to get double the amount of people on the island. So when they were selling tickets for Fire Festival, you had a couple options. You could stay on a yacht. You could stay in a glamping tent. Or you could stay in a villa or a house okay well now they need to find 500 houses slash villas for 500 guests who bought luxury packages which they also oversold their lodge packages which were tents on the main site so they've oversold everything and the influencers who posted the orange tiles they were also promised a ticket to the festival and a three-person villa on the beach so much just give them like 50 bucks they don't care none of that existed Uh, fucking influencers just want money they'll do anything for it just give them like 50 bucks they'll be like yeah i'll post an orange style whatever exactly and people on the fire team they were pushing billy like you know, we need to cancel some of these tickets. We need to cancel people's tickets. We need to give people their money back. And because they knew people on the team were realistic. They knew that they didn't have enough. to. They didn't have enough tents. They didn't have enough villas. They didn't have what they promised. And they knew that. But Billy refused to give people the money back because, and he's quoted saying, Fire Media, they were not a problem-focused group. They were a solutions-focused group. This is like what an entrepreneur says if he bases his entire business model off of watching The Wolf of Wall Street. (laughs) You're like, "Um, yeah, no, just fix it. And you're like, well, you know, uh, you also have to think practically sometimes. Billy, uh, you're stupid. I, yeah. I don't think Billy is stupid. I think Billy is unrealistic, which the two can go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. But a man named Calvin Wells, who is a financer, he kind of uh, was the whistleblower on this fire festival. Uh, He had friends who had previously had Magnesis cards, and then he started seeing advertisement for fire festival on Facebook. And he worked with a lot. So as a finance guy, I don't know what company he worked for, but whatever mm-hmm. company he worked for worked with a lot of the artists who were listed as headliners for the festival. And he was just thinking that all this seemed a little bit too good to be true. So he reached out to their agents and was like, hey, I think this is a little bit fishy. And the agents told him, you know what? I think you're right. Because Billy was offering the artist two times what the market value was for them to play at the music festival. And they hadn't received any of the money yet. <sighs> So Calvin decided he was going to investigate Fire Festival even more. So he discovered that what Fire ended up doing, they rented a portion of land that was above the Sandals Resort in Great Exuma. Uh And they photoshopped the map of what they were showing of the festival. They're like, this is what the festival grounds look like. Here's a map. Well, they photoshopped it to make it look like they were on a deserted island. Yeah, but literally, it's just like a rocky beach next to like uh, well, the great Exuma even, version of America. So the land that they got, it wasn't even really a rocky beach. It was like a bunch of concrete because it was supposed to be made into like a housing development. 
Oh, so man. it was like a big curved. It was like a bunch of big curved roads. If that makes sense. Just, that's it. And that's nice. what it was on. It really, there really, like there was a beach nearby, but it wasn't on the beach. <laughs> it was, it looked incredibly uncomfortable to sleep there. And so he ended up creating a Twitter called Fire Festival Fraud, but no one cared. <laughs> he was like, this is going to blow up. And people were like, we don't care. Sure, bro. Okay, Calvin. All right. And so what he ended up doing, this is so extreme. He ended up renting a plane and photographing what they were doing. Like, I, I just was like, you care too much and you don't have enough to do. This guy is a corkboard of like, like Billy McFarlane yeah. and like workers, like red string tied you know around the it. Meme? You know the meme of It's Always Sunny where the guy has a bunch of things and he's like, oh, yeah, that's what Calvin Wells was with Fire Festival. He cared way too much. He also discovered that the luxury tents that Billy was advertising were actually just leftover tents from Hurricane Matthew. But honestly, I think they kind of looked cool and I would still stay in them. Um, if I'm going to stay in a tent, I mean, like glamping, more like scamping. But these tents, I don't know. They still kind of look cool. They look like big igloos. So whatever. But uh, they were what fire had to do. They since they were just on this like big slab of concrete, they basically had to end up building. They ended up having to build a city within a city or that's what they were supposed to be doing because the land that they got, they still had no waste disposal and no water. So this was a nightmare. You have six to eight weeks to figure this out. You have no water. You have no waste removal. And so local, they hired a bunch of local workers and local workers were working around the clock to get this done. Up to 200 people were working for fire. And Billy was spending money like crazy. And so then the other side of his business was really struggling because... Because he's taking all the money from there to pay off things for fire. Exactly. Because this was such a big cost He over He overextended, I think. Obviously, we've oh, talked. That's the point. Yeah. Absolutely. And one employee recounts that their biggest discussion on Fridays was, did you get paid and was it for the right amount? And so people weren't getting paid, which is super shitty. And one employee says that he got paid, but it was just a bag of cash. It's fine by me. Which I guess. is fine with just me. A big monopoly bag with not, like a dollar sign on the side. Sure. Like, I mean, you're not going to get taxed on it. So whatever. And Billy ended up held, handled all the finances of Fire Festival. So this is why this was happening. There was nobody like no one else who was like, hey, you can't do that. Um, and he kept pulling money in for the festival, but nobody knew how he was getting the money. And they were thinking of any and every way to make money for the festival. And employees were concerned that they were offering packages and things that didn't exist, obviously. But at the time, you know, his fire media was located in New York. Fire Festival is in the Bahamas. So they had a team in the Bahamas, but then they had their team in New York. The team in New York knew nothing about what was happening in the Bahamas. They didn't know what a shit show it was. The other side of the company was like, hey, I think you might be pulling the wool over people's eyes. It was kind of like Billy and the team in the Bahamas knew that they didn't have these things to offer, but it was like, you know what? People are going to buy with it, buy this, and we're just going to deal with it later. Like, we'll figure it out. And put the cart in front of the horse. <laughs> yeah, it's not a good idea because they didn't have the product. And once Billy put up a cabana to sell for $50,000, like, hey, rent this cabana for $50,000 for at Fire Festival. And people were like, I don't think you have a cabana. Also, and it, he didn't. He didn't, and it cost more than fifty thousand to build a cabana, probably. So you're oh, just going to lose money. Absolutely, um, but I mean, it does sound pretty cool. But during this time, a website came out called FireK.com, and its sole purpose was to bring down the festival. And it was like pictures and all this, all this information about shit that just was not getting done. And it seemed like it was someone from the top who was giving this, who either was making the site or giving them the information. There's a mole. There was a mole. And the person who was running the website started extorting Billy saying that they wouldn't take the site down unless Billy started being truthful. I still don't know who is running the site, mm -hmm. but I don't know. I don't know if I would, if I worked for a company, if I would do that. If they were doing something very fraudulent, like fraudulent like this and no one knew except for me at the top, for sure. Whistleblow. I might, I might tattle, but I don't know if I'd make a website. If I was pissed off enough about it, easy. All right. That's fair. No one's listening to you. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And uh, some of Billy's closest teammates, they were really encouraging him. They were like, you know what? We need to tell people that this is not going to be a luxury festival. And so we that we can manage expectations because it's way easier to be like, hey, guys, no, we advertised it this way. Um, ran into some complications. Yeah, like we lost the original location or yeah. they didn't even push back the date. Right. You know, it's like, hey, man, we lost the original location. I'm very sorry for those of you that have made plans, but we are going to have to push it back because this is obviously a very large impedance to this. You know, just be honest. And this still could have happened at some point if they did that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Just the wrong choice at every turn. And then attendees started getting emails about creating a fire band account. And this ac- account would allow guests to use a band or bracelet to let them buy things while they're at the festival. So it was almost like a tap card. Which, how were they going to do that? There's probably well, that no, was the other, exactly. no idea about how they were actually going to do it, but right. whatever. That was the other problem. Now, they if you did upload money to this account, you were sent a bracelet, but there was no technology behind how the bracelet worked. So cool. once you got there, it's not going to work. Cool. And um, in the email, they were told that the average attendee had added $3,000 to their account. Cool. Like, how much money did the average... Like, this is insane. I mean, this is a luxury festival. So this is a festival for the rich, basically. Yeah, it's just insane to me. Like, that's so much money for one weekend. Oh, yeah, for sure. $3,000? I mean, I know I know people who can spend 3000 in a night that are rich. I mean, I could probably figure out. Just bottle service at a club. You'll spend $2,000, $3,000 easily. Man. Easily. But if... So they were like, hey... Average person's adding 3K, but if you want to get added experiences, boat parties, etc., you might want to add more. And one attendee said that people were calling, calling him, badgering him to put more money on his wristband. Like, you know, you need to add more money. You need to add more money. You need to add more Stop money. Stop calling me. Right. And he said the amount of money they were trying to get him to put on this wristband was almost as much as what he paid for the ticket. Man. It's so crazy. And some employees were told to flat out lie to investors so they wouldn't pull out, which is also insane. And so, you know, it, when they first were and so this is when people started getting they started kind of questioning what was going on the on the attendee side. Um, so on the website. They had sketches of what each of the rooms were going to look like, if that makes sense. So they're like, this is what your tent is going to look like. This is what your villa is going to look like. Blah, 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 blah. Well, all those original sketches ended up being taken down from the website because Fire knew that that's not what people were getting. Yeah. But people were like, uh, what's going on? And people were getting angry because no one was answering or responding to emails like they were like, hey, I don't even know, like, how to book my flight. I don't know. You know, no one's telling me, like, what my, you know, do we have electricity in the rooms? Yeah. Stuff like that. And they were, like, commenting on the Instagram. They were emailing and no one was responding to them. And then Fire just started deleting the negative comments. Nice. Um, so that people wouldn't get angry. And that's not a good look. And again, employees were pushing Billy, saying, you know what, we need to pull the plug. And Billy just wanted to keep going. Solution-focused company. Yes. Now, speaking of solutions, I think this might be one of the craziest parts of the Fire Festival incident. This is craziness. So... They had, so for the festival, they had four semi trucks that were filled with Evian water, which, first of all, Evian water is so expensive. Oh, yeah. Like, what the heck? Get Dasani. Luxury. Mm-hmm. Get, the, get Arrowhead, man. Get Evil. Yeah. I don't even know what Arrowhead is. Exactly. Fill it from the tap. Get tap water. They don't even have a tap. That's well, the whole point. Well, that's, that's why they the gotta problem. get, they, that's why they gotta that's get four semi trucks of Evian water delivered. Well, they had a meeting with customs. Right. Fire has a meeting with customs and they say that Billy needs to pay them one hundred and seventy five thousand dollars in cash today, right now, back then, right now to release the water. Well, they didn't have it. Of course not. There was a man named Andy who was like a confidant. Um, I don't know if father figure is the correct word, but he worked. Mentor? almost was a mentor but he like worked very closely with billy um he worked a lot with billy at magnesis to plan events stuff like that he was not at the meeting 
with customs. He had been somewhere else. He came back, and Billy's like, Andy, I need you to take a big one for the team. And Andy was like, of course, you know, anything. Billy asks Andy to suck the head of customs dick so that they can get the water. Oh, my God. (laughs) And he was going to do it, too. If I if I ever get into a position, Nina, where I have to come to you and I have to say, Nina, I'm down bad. I need you to suck this um, government officials dick to get me out of trouble. Don't do it because I've gotten myself in such a bad place already. I I deserve to suck the dick myself. Okay, here's the thing. We need one hundred and seventy five thousand dollars in cash. I don't. I need to know the blowjob tricks that equal equate that much money. Yeah, no, there's, I don't there are know. none. I don't think there's a blowjob on this planet that's worth $175,000. Nope. But, uh, you know, Andy got to customs. He talked to the guy. The guy's like, Andy, it's okay. I'll give you the water. Um, <laughs> the guy goes just like, um, no. I don't Actually, I'd rather just you. give you the water than you have your old man friend suck on my penis. Yeah, because Andy's not uh, young. He's like, Andy's like 55 or 60. He's all gray. He's like, I'm not. Yes, I'd just rather give it to you. <laughs> uh, someone called Fire Festival an elephant of a clusterfuck, which I loved. Nice. I just love that quote. Andy rationalized all of this. Like, Andy is quoted rationalizing all, like, everything that's going on. Not just the dick sucking, but the entire, like, clusterfuck of a mess this fire festival is. He said that no one remembers all the really bad things that happened at Woodstock. Which there was a lot of bad things that happened at Woodstock. People OD'd. I guess there was a mudslide. There wasn't enough food or water. Um, I guess the roads were blocked for days. Well, that's because they didn't plan on the amount of people showing up, though. Is that people just showed up to the festival and started jumping the fence and coming in. So much so that they couldn't, like, like they just stopped asking people for tickets because they couldn't. They couldn't get people to leave or get people out. So they just decided, decided instead of canceling it, just keep going on. And people kept showing up more and more for it. I didn't know that part. Yeah, it wasn't because they planned it poorly. They planned it for a certain amount of people. And then just a bunch of people who didn't have tickets showed up and jumped in. Oh. Of course they didn't have enough. All right. This doesn't. So in other words, he's wrong. <laughs> Sorry, Andy, you're wrong. But he was like, so maybe Fire Festival would be okay. No one remembers the bad stuff that happened at Woodstock. So... Fire will be fine. Didn't have to take a plane to get to Woodstock. Nope. But uh, shit ends up hitting the fan because the night before the festival, which is not completed, by the way. Oh, yeah. It poured rain and everything got soaked because of the rain and things were still unfinished and everything that had been finished drenched. So like the mattresses in the tents, all that just soaked. And I just feel so bad for those workers for multiple reasons, but all their hard work just literally for nothing because it just all ended up getting destroyed in the rain. And then they didn't, this was what was very weird to me. They were like, okay, well maybe we'll be able to buy some time. Like they didn't know what time guests were showing up. Yeah, stall them. (laughs) Yeah, and guests ended up showing up at 6 a.m. And so when they were picked up from the airport, uh... Also, okay, so guests were let down about the whole entire experience from the get-go because they were took a plane from Miami to the island, and they were supposed to be on a private jet to get to the island, and they were actually just on, like, a super shitty like plane. a puddle jumper. Yeah, they got there, nice. and they were, well, it wasn't a puddle jumper. It was a little bit bigger, but it was, like, a shitty plane, and they were like, what the heck? And so right before the festival, like, the day that it starts, Blink-182 pulls out. And when attendees got to the island, they were rooted away from the campsite and in and to a rest. So they detour to a restaurant. And the poor woman, this poor woman, her name's Marianne, and she she's just a seems like a gem of a lady. She was only warned that she's gonna get all these people coming to her restaurant like 25, 25 minutes before they get there. Oh man, we have horror stories about that, right? That imagine just getting called to me like, "Hey, um, so 25 minutes we're going to be bringing 200 people to your restaurant." Yep. And you're like, "Uh, I have a I have one server on." Yeah, that's, and that's literally, it. That's literally what happened. 
That's literally what happened. And people, I mean, they ended up having a great time at the bar. And they were just feeding them. They were just feeding them alcohol so that, like, they wouldn't really know what was going on. Marianne made a bunch of money that day. Good for her. Marianne did good. Um, But attendees ended up being held at the beach for six hours. And that's when they were like, why are we not uh, being let into the festival? And when they finally got to the festival... Okay, a lot of people make fun of all these attendees of this festival, and I think there is a point where, yeah, you can make fun of all these people, but also, like, this is shitty. It's the Bahamas. It's fucking hot. And, you know, you've been day drinking all day because literally they've basically been forcing tequila down your throat. So you're drunk. It's hot. And they just have you standing outside in this, like, giant line thousands of people like it feels very i would feel very desperate and not feel okay Yeah, you're on a an island yeah in the bahamas a place you've never been before you're drunk out on asphalt on a hot summer day it's terrible in a line yeah that's awful now i will say that this is was 100 avoidable this is oh, really absolutely this is a testament so this, my old man is going to come out here a little bit it was like this, this is a testament to the um the egocentric view of our youth on social media because these are all influencers yeah. and rich young people you know they're rich they're probably hot they don't have a lot of problems uh it's it's about them thinking that everything just arrives to you and mm-hmm. believing things that like this are just like, oh, yes, this happens. Where anyone who thinks about anything is going to be like, this seems like too good to be true. Right. No, I. But, but they're not used to things being too good to be true because the things that had, are too good are true for them. Exactly. <laughs> and at one point, Billy just told people, he's like, grab a tent. I don't care which one because people were supposed to have their own designated tents, but they didn't have it planned out. They had no plan for luggage. Like they're talking about just dropping the luggage on the beach and people are like fighting to find their luggage. It was a disaster. And then this is what I didn't understand. And this is like what was kind of weird, weird to me. But like people started looting the tents and just started destroying shit. And it was like, why? Why? You're all in a bad situation. Like, one guy on the documentary is like, yeah, we just started grabbing shit. And, like, my friend peed on a bunch of the beds. And I'm like, why? Like, they're just upset. Yeah, because, but still, you know, I know when people feel desperate, they do really stupid stuff. But it's just. Yeah, you just go a little bit animalistic, I guess, yeah, when you're that upset. Yeah, that's what they were doing. And drunk, by the way. Right, you're so. drunk, you're hot. You haven't really eaten all day. You're going to be a, you're going to be a hot mess. But anyway. Oh, man. Speaking of not eating all day, right? Yeah, we're about to get there. <laughs> but there was also no le- electricity in the tent. So it was just like a disaster. Once it got dark, people couldn't see. It was it was a bad deal. And then this, I remember this floating around social media picture, man. when this happened. But there's an infamous cheese sandwich that they were given as food. It was not yummy looking. Nah, man, look at the picture. It's hilarious. Like oh, the, it's pretty funny. The, the cheese isn't even on the bread. No. Which is my thing is that like not only does it look like not appetizing, but it's also just like not not built very well. Uh, I haven't I have I, I'm looking at it right here. It's literally it's two pieces of like whole grain bread, one piece of cheese on it, and then what like some lettuce voice? and tomato. What, what is this voice you're doing? What voice? You're like two pieces of multigrain bread. It's my voice, Nina. How dare you? Well, it looks disgusting. But social media loved everything that was happening, and they just were roasting everybody. Yeah, because influencers, here's the thing. Influencers are so annoying. They are. Right? They're such annoying people. The people who follow them, I know there are going to be some of you out there that listening to this that probably follow them. Then, you know, I follow a couple influencers. You know, but they're annoying people. They're no, they're yeah. like monetizing their life in just such an annoying way and forcing just brands down your throat. It, yeah. it, it, they're like they're like walking human product placement. No, that's exactly what they are. And they suck. Yeah. So yeah. So it's fun to make fun of them when all of them got, went, got on a shitty ass plane and went to a deserted island to go to the the like 
humanitarian crisis music festival. Yeah. You know, it's great. I mean, At it's least funny. a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I, I agree with you. And no I died, remember, so. I remember there was this one person who did go, um, I didn't write this in the thing, but, and it wasn't in the documentary, but I do remember reading or seeing this on social media, but there was somebody who won a ticket. Somehow he won a ticket to fire festival and he wasn't rich. And he was like, Dude, it was awesome. Like, all these rich people just, like, losing their shit. He's like, this is a Thursday for me, guys. He's like, this is funny. This is a great. He had a great time. He's eating the cheese sandwich. Like, this is what I had as a kid. This He's is great. Like, this is, ah, uh, one of my mom's classics. This is a free cheese sandwich, honestly, because uh-huh. I didn't pay anything for this. Exactly. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> um, And, you know, what you're talking about earlier with Billy just being so egotistical and narcissistic, like, I really, truly believe that he didn't think that this was going to happen i really think he thought he was going to pull off the festival until it actually started crumbling oh yeah and when they canceled the festival so they ended up canceling the festival obviously Obviously. (laughs) um when they canceled the festival everyone had to be sent back to miami but they didn't they didn't plan for that they didn't plan for the festival to not follow through so they didn't have enough planes to get people home and they basically lot so they ended up basically locking the attendees in the airport in great exuma and it's just a tiny little island. So it's a tiny little airport. And it's not like they're locked in the Las Vegas airport. They're locked in like the Akron Canton airport. Yeah. All right. It's like a room. Yeah. It's terrible. It's a large room, but a room nonetheless. There's not like a McDonald's and a Starbucks in there. No, they had no food. They had no water. I mean, that was shitty. You're just locking people in an airport. They have no food and water. There was no food or water outside either, so. I guess. I feel like the building would be hotter. But this is what I think was the most fucked up out of all of this, is the people from of the Bahamas, they were not paid appropriately, and obviously, because they had no money for anything else. And then they were demanding that they get paid, as they should. Yes. I mean... And uh, this was kind of this was scary for the people of fire. But I was also like, eh, you guys kind of deserve it. Locals started putting out hits on fire employees because they were so angry. And Andy recalls having to switch clothes with a local and then having to hide in an old car and be snuck out of town. This guy, Andy, was low key about to suck some random dude's dick (laughs) and then has to switch clothes at the local and get like thrown in the back in like the trunk of a car to get out of town and andy looks nothing like a local he's white as fuck i feel bad for andy i don't know what he i don't had. know i don't There's... know i don't know how uh instrumental he was in the planning of this of, of this festival but like here's the thing andy was one of the alarm sounders a lot of these people that i watched in the documentary they were alarm sounders they were saying like hey you know i don't think we can pull through with this but at the end of the day you still were working for the company like you didn't back out of the project there's part of me that still feels like you're a little bit responsible they were all telling him to push it back push it back push it back he said no like should they quit their jobs right before maybe yeah but it's like the this whole thing was attainable with some very we've already talked about some very small changes right so i don't fault these people for still staying there and still trying to make it happen because one it it was a good idea at least at one point and two it was attainable at some point so if you're sitting there saying don't do this don't do this don't do this don't do this and they keep doing it at some point you're gonna back out but like you're already in the bahamas making it yeah what are you gonna do i guess just leave and be like okay peace and like wait for the next plane out of town like it's more difficult than what you're making it seem all right (laughs) i don't know yeah i guess yeah (laughs) all right fine fine and it was only like six to eight weeks exactly so it's like a month and a half yeah all right fine but the people of fire are left without paying the laborers and they're already at a loss for not only opera like they were lost for opportunity in general and they're just so poor and it really just fucked them over like marianne um said she you know fire was supposed to pay her and she had hired a bunch of extra people to work so that she could make all this food now, not the day that she was there, but like in preparation and she had to pay those people out of her savings and it just like wrecked her savings. Um, I didn't. And luckily, after the documentaries came out, there were people who like set up GoFundMes for the people in the island. So I do think that they ended up getting some sort of compensation. But if that was those documentaries wouldn't have been made, that they never would have gotten paid. Mm-hmm. Um, but after the disaster or the incident, 
the of Fire incident. Festival, there was a board meeting and all the employees with all the employees and one employee states you can hear him on the phone like because he had called in. He said something about them committing fraud. He's like, well, you know, we committed fraud like this is fraud. This is we did. We, yeah. yeah, this is fraud. And Jaw Rule states that it's not fraud. It was false advertising. It's not fraud. It's fraud. I was like, <laughs> you know, that's a uh, Ja Rule is not a businessman. No, he's a singer. <laughs> As he should. So. He should stay a business. He should stay a singer. Do not put him as a CEO anytime soon. Absolutely not. So the aftermath. Um, a $100 million class action lawsuit ended up being filed against Fire Festival. Influencers were also being sued because... This was when things kind of started changing in regards to advertising on Instagram because of this. So yep. when these influencers were posting this orange tile, they did not use hashtag ad. So it looked as if they were in partner with Fire Festival. Does that make sense? They weren't saying like, hey, I'm being... When you put hashtag ad, it's saying this is a paid advertisement. Yeah, a, a lot of the times uh, people ask for transparency about what is and what is not a paid promotion. Yeah, and they were not transparent. I mean, I don't think that would have stopped anyone from anything that happened, but nevertheless. Yeah, but they also ended up getting sued. And then two weeks after the fire Festival, uh, Billy sat down with his employees to let them know there was no more e- official employment. So he didn't lay them off. Um, he didn't really fire them. He wouldn't lay them off so that... You can stay if you're willing to work for free. So basically what he did was he made them, forced them into a corner where they had to quit and then they couldn't get unemployment benefits while looking for a new job. He literally basically said like, you're still employed, but now you, but we're making a salary change. Your salary is now zero dollars. So feel free to keep working. What is that? You, you want to get paid? Oh, well, I guess you're going to have to quit because this job is now salaried at zero dollars. Yeah, and it's, it's just shitty. It's just shitty. But after all this, fire media is no more. Oh, really? And Magnesis also crumbles during this time. And the FBI ends up getting involved and started visiting employees of fire media. Um, So Billy had gotten investment in the festival based off of how fire media was doing as a whole. Like that's how he started getting investors for all of this, but he was lying to investors about how the company was doing. He was lying about bookings, investments, the Island, everything. He was inflating the numbers astronomically Mm -hmm. to make people think that fire media was way more successful than it was. And people were putting millions and millions of dollars into his company and he was just blowing it. And he was charged with wire fraud. Oh, man. Those that are one of the thing. things he ended up being charged keep, with. We should keep a count going about we really how many should. times people are charged with what on this he would. podcast. We should. And he would also get his employees to invest money in his company. And one employee said he was almost extorting them for money. Um, and Billy ended up racking up millions of dollars um, on the Fire Amex card. He was using that Amex card to buy stuff for Magnesis. Okay. And buying the, the tickets so that his um, members could get the discount tickets. Stuff like so that. So he would buy the tickets and then give them to them at the discounted rate and then just like put the original cost of the ticket on it as yep. like a charge on the Amex instead of partnering with, with the events, basically. Uh-huh. That's yep. stupid. Yeah, it's really stupid. And he paid for all of that debt except for $250,000 of it, which is still a lot of money. And I don't know how, but a former employee is actually being sued for that. How did he pay off all that debt? I don't know. Okay. I don't actually know. I don't understand. But another employee was also persuaded into using his own card, which that's just on you, dude. Yeah, don't do that. For a fire festival. Never do that. they racked up... He... Billy ended up racking up $150,000 on this employee's Amex card as well. Oh and God. these employees are now responsible for paying this. He owed the island workers 250000 in unpaid labor. And then, like I said before, that other woman got screwed and she ended up getting screwed out of $50,000 of her own savings. It This destroyed the lives of the people on the island. So Billy was arrested and he ended up um, being released on a $300,000 bail and moved back in with his parents. Ha-ha. But 
that didn't last long because he was able to, out of nowhere, afford a penthouse in New York. And people saw him on bail and they were confused. They're like, how the hell are you paying for that? Well, attendees of Fire Festival, they started getting emails from a company called NYC VIP Access, claiming that they had tickets for the 2018 Masters Tournament. Fire Festival happened in 2017. More and more emails were being sent claiming that they had these crazy tickets available and they were all signed by a man named Frank. Now, they were selling tickets for events that didn't even have tickets. Like they were selling tickets for the Met Gala. They were selling tickets for the Victoria's Secret fashion show that weren't even available yet. Like they were selling meet and greets with for like with Taylor Swift when Taylor Swift doesn't even do meet and greets. Yeah. It's purely fraudulent. Oh, it's all fraud. And Billy hired a guy named Frank to be the face of the new company because he was in such trouble from Fire Festival. Frank ended up agreeing. And what was so weird was Frank would wear a magnesis hat and a fire hoodie, which made no sense because both of those companies went under. But 15 people ended up giving them over $100,000 for tickets. I mean, if, if you're going to scam someone, at least scam the rich, right? Yeah, so. Right, exactly. Well, Billy ended up being arrested again for five felonies. Wire fraud, money laundering, identity theft, and witness intimidation. Uh, He warned two people not to talk to the FBI and tell the FBI that they had legal counsel when they actually did not. Billy ended up being sentenced to six years in federal prison and agreed to a lifetime ban on serving as a corporate officer or a director. He also owes $26 million in restitution. Which, like, what the fuck? How are you going to do that? Probably more scams. So he is actually still in jail. He mm-hmm. is being um, held at FCI Elton in Lisbon, Ohio, which I find very interesting. Being from Ohio, I'm pretty sure I've been to Lisbon. But uh, in 2020, he actually got put in solitary confinement for a while <laughs> because of a podcast he did. It's called Dumpster Fire, F-Y-R-E, just like the Fire Festival. Um, and he talks about things that happened with the Fire Festival. I couldn't really understand why he got into so much trouble doing that. Maybe it like had to do with the case. That he was, I don't know exactly why he got in so much trouble, like divulging this information, but he got in trouble and the, got put in solitary confinement. But the money he was supposed to make on the podcast was supposed to go to the $26 million in restitution that he owes. Which, like, how successful do you plan on your podcast being? How do you record a podcast in prison? So they are actually given cell phones. So he's just sitting there with like an like an iPhone 4, like recording a podcast just directly into the microphone? I guess. That sounds like an awful podcast. It probably is, but I might listen to it. I mean, I guess. I, I might listen to How's it. He, get, he can't like edit an intro track or anything. He's just got to like. Yeah, he's like, hey, I'm Billy McFarlane and I'm a piece of shit. That would be a good intro. Yeah. For Dumpster Fire. Yeah. If it was anything else, I will be disappointed. I'm not yeah. going to listen to it, but you know. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's Billy got in all that trouble. Job ja Rule actually did not get into any trouble. He started another company with somebody else. Oh. Um, although I didn't mention this man during the episode, because this is a very long episode. There's a lot of information, but there was a man named Grant Margolin, um, who worked very closely with Billy. He was almost directing what was going on. Um, He ended up, he got in big trouble and he ended up agreeing to a seven year director and officer bar, like Billy's barred. Grant is barred, but not for life, just for seven years. And he Mm. had a $35,000 penalty. So in closing, what we what can we take from all of this? We all grow up and have dreams, but some dreams are more attainable than others. In the case of Billy McFarland, it was clear that his dream would never become a reality, no matter how hard he tried. Since Billy McFarland could not obtain his dream, he brought down everyone around him, hurting hundreds of Bahamian people alongside of his employees who lost work because of his acts of selfishness. Music is a beautiful thing, but if it's not played in tune, you might as well destroy it. I hate that sentence. (laughs) (laughs) I read it and I was like, I don't even know what to put instead. I'm just going to leave it, I guess. 
<laughs> destroy it? What does that mean? I want you to defend this sentence right now. Uh, <laughs> oh, to be fair, it was 2 a.m. when I wrote that sentence. Just, <laughs> that's your defense? Um, that's the well, only defense that I'll hear for it. listen to music that's not in tune. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Destroy it. Yeah. Delete it. Okay. Don't listen to it. Okay, yeah. I'm still not sold. I'm sticking by my words. <laughs> okay. Deal. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> uh, thanks so much for listening, you guys, even to that last sentence. Yeah, um, I destroyed it. <laughs> you did. So thanks so much for listening. Once again, if you wouldn't mind still going by, leaving us a rating on uh, iTunes, 80% of you right now, or at least slightly above our analytics show or listening on iTunes. If you wouldn't mind dropping by, leaving us a review. We love a five-star review to get our average up, but we'll take any sort of written written review that also gives us points that we can improve upon. We're always open to that. Um, if you also wouldn't mind following our social media so you yeah. can stay up to date with everything that's going to happen. We still have some ideas of how to progress in the future. We might move into a video format at some yeah, point. We've uh, been talking we, about that. Which we'd love to hear your feedback on uh, at our email, whitecollarsredhands at gmail.com or on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash whitecollarsredhands. You can uh, at us in a tweet at whitecollarspod. You can go over to our Instagram at white collars underscore red hands and leave us some sort of I don't have an Instagram as we found out during this episode. Leave but us a, I a, do. a picture response. I don't know how it works. So I post a picture of what the episode's going to be about. I know that, but if people want to interact with us, do they just like you comment. send pictures? No, they comment. Oh, which we did get a comment from. Uh, yeah. So shout out to Jen B. 71 um, from Edinburgh, Scotland. So yeah, it's thank so, you. It's so cool to have listeners not even from our own country, but other countries around the world. We're actually, believe it or not, we're on the charts in South Africa as well. So shout out to all of our South African listeners. Shout out to all of you. Just all of you everywhere. We love to hear from you. Um, this person wanted us to talk about some more international crimes, like what we talked about with the Michelle Sindona episode. So um, we have all the episodes planned out for season three, but we're going to look to incorporate. Uh, well, actually, one of them is uh, international. One of, the, right. one, one of them talks about a German company. Oh, that's a right. A couple of them talk about a German company, that's, actually. Oh, oh, I didn't think about that. So, small little spoiler for this spoiler. season. But we will be talking about some more international stuff coming up soon so that we can reach a larger audience. So, yeah. thank you so much for that as well. Um, I think that's all I have. I think so. For the outro. So once again, thank you so much for listening. Everybody, we love to be in your ears every week. Uh, and join us next week on another episode of White Collars, Red, Red Hands. Hands.